Welcome to this week's TSFP, uh, brought to you a day later, usually we record on a Monday, but of course yesterday was transfer deadline day, so we thought we'd let that pass and then record on a Tuesday uh, to be able to reflect upon uh, the no doubt dozens of very important transfers that were going to take place. Well, we did actually get some pretty interesting moves um, on the final uh, day of the transfer window. Sydney, did you stay up until midnight to see the transfer window slam shut? I did, yeah. Yes. I, 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 I try and avoid this, or not try and avoid it. I, I don't actually deliberately try, but I always sort of think it, it feels a bit pointless, not least because the <laughs> deadline is never midnight anyway. There's always some that turn up an hour or so later because, of course, they've either got the paperwork in in time but it hasn't been confirmed yet because that's been checked or because, as in the case of Obama Yang, you've got a player who basically has... Um, stopped belonging to one club so turns up as a free agent and therefore you buy yourself time to to make it happen. Um, Also, of course, the fact that it's midnight is purely done for drama. There is literally no reason at all for it not to be done at seven in the evening, for example. Isn't Isn't it like at seven in the evening in Germany? I think it is, yeah. Because the Germans are sensible. They're sensible. They're not so big on the trial. They're like, yes, let's have a nice, sensible hour to close the window. But no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. mind you, if football games don't finish until the next day, why should the transfer window? Ah, oh, welcome to Spain, amigos. Welcome to Spain. Right, there is actually quite a lot for us to get into in terms of transfers. Most of it refers to, to Barcelona, who had a, they had a really interesting transfer window. I'm not sure if they're in a better position now than they were at the start of the month. Probably they are in terms of personnel, but in terms of the vibe and what they're going to do, hmm, let's see. Anyway, the big news is that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has joined Barcelona from Arsenal. It's not actually official yet, this deal. It hasn't been um, announced at the time of recording, but it's happened. He's joined. He's going to sign a year and a half long deal, which seems a bit strange. We thought it was going to be a loan initially, but it's a year and a half long deal to the end of next season. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Sydney? Because he's not the striker that Xavi Hernandez initially wanted. No, uh, I mean the first, the first thing, of course, is just to, to just to reiterate what we were saying before that this is um, not a loan deal from Arsenal because essentially what happened was that Barcelona were waiting for him to become a free agent, so he resolved his contract with Arsenal. I'm sure some of the details will emerge today. I, I, I certainly hope we can we can get kind of a full grip on on exactly how it happened and what the you know what the mechanisms were that, that were used and particularly the financial part of it because a lot of our listeners will be saying, but hang on, you said Barcelona couldn't spend any money and we really do need to see how this has happened. Now, my guess here would be that the first six months of his time at Barcelona, he will be on very, very, very little money indeed in, in professional football terms, in, in, in top-level professional football terms and that the money that he makes will be loaded into the second year. So much so that I wouldn't be at all surprised if actually what we saw was some sort of six-month deal with a separate one-year deal added on top of it, rather than an 18-month deal as one package. Um, now, that's that's by the by. In terms of, as you say, this isn't the guy that they wanted, no. And in truth, of course, what's happened in this market has been Barcelona responding to what they believe they need in the context of what can we actually do? And basically, that reaches a point where well, you, you have to look at every single option 
available um, and you have to see if there's a way of doing it. And I suppose on the face of it, getting someone like Aubameyang as a free agent for nothing um, on very, very low wages, at least in the first year, is actually a really quite good piece of business, assuming this is the player that you actually want. And of course, that's where where the doubts are. Assuming that this works, that's where where the doubts will be. There's, the, you know, that, that that's inevitable. Um, I think you know you have to look at this in the, in the, in the context of the possible. You then can ask questions about whether, even in that context, was this really the deal that you needed to do? And and someone. Um, someone I follow on Twitter, I've forgotten who it was now. I think it was Katinu, who's a, a, a Catalan Barcelona fan, made the point that you know we're looking at this and thinking, God, are we sure about this? But and you look at this and you say, well, Aubameyang for free and on a very low salary. Yeah, two years ago it was 18 million euros for for Martin Brathwaite. So things have shifted. Um, and six million a year and six Wages. million euros a year. And so things have shifted. Now, now obviously, Brathwaite's not one of the best-paid players at, at Barcelona. And that's one of the reasons why there wasn't really any need for him to, to go from their point of view, because he wasn't the one that was going to make the biggest impact on their salary. And in any case, he could be useful and he wanted to stay. Aubameyang, producer Ali is much better placed than me to judge whether he's a good player, whether he's still a good player, how useful he can be. But in that sense, I guess there's a certain logic to it. Now, there's one thing I'm going to add here, though. Look at Barcelona's team now. I believe they have 10 forwards. Their squad, not their team. 10. Right, yeah. And while, again, I think this is in the context of the possible, and I think actually, in a way, you could say they've done a pretty good job given how much their hands were tied. And, and I think in that sense, there's, there's a certain degree of credit that needs to be given to them. I look at those 10 forwards, and I don't know about you, but I think in an ideal world, and we know it's not an ideal world, I think maybe even in a short-term ideal world, in other words, beyond this summer coming, how many of them do they genuinely want? Of those ten, genuinely want? Yeah, um, eight. Well, eight. I think it might be eight that they don't want. I mean, genuinely want of those ten? Presumably, they're quite keen on Ferran Torres. Ferran and Ansu. And Ansu. Are they? Are they I mean, are they yeah. the only ones they actually want of those forwards? Now, obviously, look. I know I, that I might be overplaying it because, of course. Juckler's not expensive and Abdi's not expensive and, and, and even Brathwaite's not particularly expensive and, you know, under different circumstances, maybe they could have found a deal and they would be pleased to have a player with the, mm. with the skill set of Dembélé, but we now know that that looks very, very difficult indeed. Um, but I, I found the determination to buy attacking players yes. actually a little bit strange. Well, just going back to, to Aubameyang, this is a player that has been in double figures for league goals for 11 consecutive seasons in, yeah, in exactly. three different leagues. He is yeah. someone who should, in theory, help with Barcelona's problem of scoring goals. So Absolutely. in theory, and I was actually looking back and his best ever scoring season was the one season he played at Borussia Dortmund with Ousmane Dembélé. He got 31 league goals and they played a lot of games together. We mentioned Dembélé because his situation is very, very uh, complicated now. We were told that either he had to sign a new deal or he was he was out. Well, he hasn't signed a new deal and he's not out. He's still there. So what on earth is going to happen to Usman Dembélé, which is a question that we tried to answer uh, on the bonus pod uh, earlier this week. But now it's even more prescient because he's still there. Yeah, he was always likely to be still there, by the mm. way. Um, and, and to be fair to Xavi Hernandez, I think he recognised that. When he made that statement, he was asked about how this happens now. 
And he used that lovely Spanish phrase and he said, Usman Dembele is the one holding the frying pan by the handle. Now, he's the one in charge of this, of this deal. The frying pan is in his hand. He's the one holding the handle. We're trying to hold it from the hot bit. You know, so the, 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 the strength in that negotiation was, was with Dembele because Dembele could always say, no, I'm just not going. Now, obviously, Barcelona um, made this statement about how he wouldn't play again. Matteo Alemán said, if he's not committed to us, then naturally he wouldn't play in the team because he's not committed to our future. That's just normal. Now, I do think there is an argument that says you can say that if you're building to the future, why would you play someone who pay, pay someone rather who's who's sorry play someone who's not going to be there in the future? That is entirely natural. That said, of course, um, I don't think any of us believe it's as simple as that. And, and of course, it was a threat. It was about saying, come on, renew or you will sit in the stands for six months. He's effectively said, if needs be, that is what I'll do. Now, here comes the question. What is the need? Because Barcelona, now that they've got him, they may as well use him. Mm. But they may feel, actually, we can't be seen to be weak. We can't back down on this. And I also think there's a really important point here, which is that while it has been kind of carefully handled and they've, been very, they've tried very hard not to make this public, there is no doubt whatsoever that the decision to deliver that ultimatum to Usman Dembélé was a club decision, not a managerial one. Xavi, I think, would rather use Dembélé. Um, I think they can't, to start with. The question mark is, at which point do they think, oh, OK, then, we'll, we'll just play him? <laughs> well, they've, re- they've reinforced the squad, haven't they, by bringing in Adama Traore, in theory, in a similar position. Well, I, I think Dembélé. Traore was, was partly done to... as. I don't want to reduce Traore to this because I don't think it's fair. But I think the Traore signing was partly about saying to Dembélé, you see, we really don't need you. <laughs> hmm. Well, they've got him still. And as you said, they've got 10 forwards now. Uh, a lot of options for for Xavi Hernandez. And let's see how they, how they get on. Um, it has been, like I said, a, a slightly strange uh, transfer window. They have managed to bring in... Uh, Quite a lot of players, all of them attacking, with Ferran Torres also joining earlier uh, this month. And we'll see whether they are well placed to to get back into the Champions League, which is the absolute minimum requirement for them from this season. Uh, We'll talk about some other deals that happened in Spain on the final day of the transfer window in just a moment. And there are quite a few. But let's just briefly talk about Real Madrid, who did absolutely no business. Yesterday we had some <clears throat> well-placed Real Madrid covering journalists tweeting a lot about Mbappé and the fact that the deal has been struck between Real Madrid and Kylian Mbappé as reported in, in Build. Is it strange that they decided not to do any business in January or is it more or less par for the course? I don't think it's strange at all, okay. to be honest. Uh, I think you look at the team, I don't think you see a pressing need for it. I don't think... I'm surprised that there's not, you know, something a little bit left field, unexpected, maybe a couple of squad players here and there, maybe someone young who they don't necessarily put into the team straight away. But no, I'm, I'm fundamentally, I'm not surprised. Just as... I mean, it sounds bizarre in a way, doesn't it, to, to say that Real Madrid signing Kylian Mbappé, which is a massive thing, just feels like it's just not a story at all. Because I think we'd all just assume that was happened anyway. Mm. There, was, there just isn't any doubt in anyone's mind anymore, is there? Yeah. Mbappé goes to Real Madrid, um, which, by the way, and and you know, let, let, let's turn this on PSG. I understand why PSG resisted in the summer up to a point, but fundamentally they achieved nothing 
Unless, of course, they win the Champions League. And then they will feel that it was worthwhile making him stay. Yeah, it's a big if. Uh, it is a big if. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is possible. Obviously, and they've just been knocked out of the Copa del. Uh, I was going to call it the Copa del Rey, whatever the French Copa, de, the Copa du Roi, Coupe, Coupe du France, I yeah. suppose. But I don't know. There's yeah. definitely no. There's definitely no king there. Um, no, absolutely <laughs> hasn't been since since those guys turned up with those very sharp blades. Yeah, weren't, weren't too keen on them. Uh, Real Madrid facing PSG, of course, in the Champions League in two weeks' time. Uh, so that should be. That should be pretty interesting, but yeah, no. By the way, that's one of the reasons why it's not. That's one of the reasons, of course, why it's not public. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, After after that tie, uh, it may well be made public that Mbappe is is coming to Spain in the summer. So no deals for Real Madrid, Uh, Barcelona doing all sorts of interesting business. Uh, Atletico Madrid were also, I was going to say, busy uh, yesterday. They they did a little bit of business. They. Signed a left-back, uh, Reynildo Mandava uh, from Lille, who apparently is one of the best full-backs in Ligue 1 uh, last season. So they've got a left-back, which is what they wanted. And apparently they also turned down a, a deadline day approach from Spurs for Yannick Carrasco. Hmm. Well, why would they accept that? I mean, honestly, why would they accept that? Unless, unless they absolutely had to, unless the offer was huge. And look, I, I, I know this is part of the fun. But in all honesty, imagine imagine you are. I mean, all right. Let's use this case as the as the case, but it's more conceptual than just about this case, right? Imagine you are Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. You've got a player like Carrasco, who's really really important, right? Really important to you. Who plays? I looked at it the other day. And I think I pointed this out actually on the podcast as I've done the stats. I think he started more games than anyone else of the outfield players at Atletico this season. So there you go. This is a player who's absolutely vital mm-hmm. uh, statistically and and obviously in in terms of the way where we watch them, we can see it. Imagine you get a club like Spurs, doesn't matter that it's Spurs, but in this case it is, turn up on the last day of the transfer window and say, we want your player. To be honest, just say, oh, sod off. <laughs> you've, you've had at very least a month to do this. Hmm. right? Now, and and I, I just find it baffling at times that clubs try this on. And it makes me think, by the way, and, and maybe this is over cynical of me, that clubs don't really try it on. But actually, a lot of this is playing to the gallery. Mm. Make a bid, you know, that's going to be turned down. Oh, we were trying right to the last minute. Or maybe the club that receives the bid, supposedly, make sure people let it, let it be known that we turn this down. Mm. Look at us. Aren't we good? We turn this down. Um, but in any case, you're not getting Carrasco with a half-assed bid at the last minute. No, if you want him, you pay his buyout clause, which I think and was 75 million. And you can years. actually do it. Yeah, if yeah. you can convince the player. And then, of course, there's another question, which is, would the player be convinced by that? Well, there are lots of ways of convincing the player. <laughs> uh, obviously, millions and millions of ways. Millions and yeah. millions of ways. There are financial ways, but also footballing ways as well. But, but, but no, just... Uh... Yeah, it's just daft, really. Mm. Uh, Atleti, as we said, uh, didn't sell Carrasco and they did bring in uh, a left-back, which is a position that they wanted uh, to strengthen uh, with uh, Reynildo Mandava coming in. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? What? If this means that they are going to go back to a four. Yes. Because, of course, it's not just a case of, you know, you're buying a left-back. Yeah, you're buying a left-back and you don't always play with a left-back. And you had Ren and Lodi and maybe there was some doubts about Lodi. But you don't always play a left-back. So if you're actually buying one, does this mean that the, 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 the formation shifts again? Mm. Or does it mean that they view him as possibly being able to play in a, in a back three as well, like Mario yes. Admoso, who, yes. who wasn't initially a, a centre-back? Uh, that was the only bit of business that Atletico Madrid did. 
They had been linked for a very long time with teenage Uruguayan forward Matias Arezzo, uh, who in, en- in the end was signed by Granada. Uh, they, this was uh, a move that, like I said, had been uh, mooted for, for, for a long time. Apparently Atletico Madrid were after the Matias Arezzo, who was uh, the star of Uruguayan football from the Uruguayan River Plate in, in, in Montevideo. And he's ended up at Granada, not Atletico Madrid. I saw, obviously, on social media, a lot of Atletico Madrid fans deeply disappointed uh, because they didn't manage to get this bit of business done. He is a player, by the way, who was pointed out to me by someone uh, who'd been watching him two and a half years ago as someone being to be very, very, very excited about. And this looks like a sensational bit of business from Granada, obviously signing a teenage South American who's never played outside of the Uruguayan League to come and play in La Liga. It is a little bit of a risk, but this is a guy that a lot of people uh, were excited about and Granada finally got him. So and Matias yeah. Arezzo, uh, welcome to La Liga. Yeah, it does feel like a, a big deal, doesn't it? And it feels like a big deal... Precisely because it's Granada. You know, if this had been Atletico, you'd say, okay, another exciting Uruguay, maybe we'll get some minutes, let's see his, his, you know, the opportunities that he has. And I wonder if that's partly on his mind in terms of making the decision. Let's go somewhere where perhaps I actually play every week. You know, maybe, maybe I really do get a lot of games. Um, and, and obviously, I think that's, I, I kind of celebrate that a little bit. Now, obviously, look, time will tell, and it may well be that, that what I'm saying now turns out to be complete nonsense, but there's, there's a little bit of me that feels like I quite like the idea of a player going somewhere and saying, you know what, mm. I'm not necessarily going to make the big leap. <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere I can play where I can... Because it's really, really important that that, <laughs> that that progression isn't broken. He's got to get in the team ahead of Luis Suarez and Jorge Molina, which is not going to yes, be... Yes, because he's... Exactly. He hasn't <laughs> got poor forwards in front of him. <laughs> and obviously it's not the same level as having Luis Suarez yeah. and Antoine Griezmann and Correa. Uh, Cunha yeah, and Correa yeah. and Jao Felix and yeah. so on. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, let's see how Matias Areto uh, gets on. Uh, some more high-profile moves and some familiar faces coming back to La Liga. Brian Hill, who only joined Spurs in the summer, is back in La Liga, joining Valencia on loan after not really making much of an impact at Spurs. I know a few Spurs fans are a little bit disappointed about this because when he's been used, he has shown sort of flashes of what we, Spanish football watchers, know Brian Hill is, is capable of, but he hasn't had that many minutes. And a lot of Spurs fans were thinking, well, why are we, why are we letting him go on loan back to Spain where he's not really going to necessarily adapt to, to English yeah. football? Perhaps he could have gone somewhere uh, where his adaptation to English football might have been uh, hastened or or helped, but he's gone. He's gone back to Valencia, which I guess is good news for us Spanish football watchers. Brian Hill, mm. interesting, exciting player, and a good signing yeah. for Valencia. Very fun to watch. Potentially a good signing for Valencia. Um, on the face of it, you can look at him, see sort of skinny little Brian Hill, and think, is this really a borderless player? But then you could say the same: was this really a Mendelebar player? And he absolutely was, mm. uh, and, and it worked. It worked reasonably well for him at Abar. It's true. That there were flashes of him and it wasn't consistent. And, and you had with Mendelebar a coach who... Uh, and I remember speaking in the summer to both Mendelebar and Iñaki Bea, Mendelebar's number two, when, when Brian Hill went to Spurs about him. And they both talked about the flaws in his game, which I thought was interesting. Because mm-hmm. normally when a kid goes to a, a club, everyone says, oh, he's wonderful, he's going to be amazing. And both of them said, we have some doubts about him. Mm-hmm. There are some things he doesn't do well and that these are development things. But the, the, the quality is, is extraordinary mm. and, and, and hopefully this will succeed. I think from a Spurs point of view, I mean, you're right, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the stats show that basically he's, 
is it six starts this season, of which five are in the League Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not getting the opportunities. Now that obviously, let's not just dismiss that as being that's them not giving him a chance because of course the chance are given based on the quality of the other players in the team, based on what is seen in training, based on what you think you can get from him. I think the fact that they put him on loan tells you that they think this is a player that at some point may come good. But I agree with you. I do, I, I do think that's a worthwhile perspective mm. to say if he's going to go on loan, put him somewhere where at least some of what he's learning is different. Mm. We know he can play well in Spain. Mm. Um, now, maybe Bordelas is a little more British perhaps <laughs> in some of the way he approaches certain things. But I, I do sort of look at him and think, yeah, wouldn't it have been better to find maybe a championship team, for example? And, 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 and this is going to sound a horrible cliche, but, but you know that idea of toughening him up or that idea of getting him used to something a bit more direct well, or a bit more physical. Well, maybe Bordelas is going to turn him into an absolute killer. Well, it's possible because Bordelas <laughs> does that in terms of attitude. Yes. Um, also, by the way, in the Valencia team, how do you think they structure this? Because, of course, you've already got... I mean, Cherishev is basically not playing. You've got Geddes and Musa already, but actually what's interesting in recent weeks, of course, is Geddes and Musa have been playing much more central. Well, Geddes has been playing all season centrally. Elder Costa and, and well. Hugo Duro, who have been, yeah. uh, been playing sort of on the wide. Um, so does he, is he an improvement on them too? I would say he probably is. Um, He's definitely an improvement on Costa. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Uh, I, I, I think Hugo Duro is a very good player for different reasons. And I think Hugo Duro is a player that, that Bordelas really trusts. So I suspect that what we might end up seeing is Geddes, Duro, Musa, and Brian Gil as your attacking four. If you take that as two central forwards and two wide. Sorry, men. who's Musa? Yunus Musa. Oh, Yunus Musa. Yes, of course. Sorry, I was I was, I was thinking Musa. Musa Sissoko. Musa Dembélé. Yeah, Musa Dembélé. <laughs> Musa, Dembélé yeah, yeah. Musa Sissoko. Yes, 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 yeah. Number Musa, of Musas. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. yeah. Uh, okay, so that's Brian Hill going back to uh, Valencia. Another familiar face coming back to La Liga is also from Spurs, Giovanni Lo Celso, who joins. Uh, a whole host of Spurs outcasts at Villarreal. You've got Juan Foyth, Etienne Capoue, um, who else? Sergio Ria, and now uh, Giovanni Lo Celso uh, back in La Liga. One of my Spurs supporting friends said that he has probably been right up there with the worst ever signing in the history of Spurs, which seems harsh. Wow. But I think that's very. I, 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 right, so it's, you know, like you, because we're both from the same part of London. Yes. All of my mates are Spurs fans. And I messaged one of them yesterday, messaged them yesterday in the group and just sort of said, wasn't Lo Celso good? Um, and one of them replied was, he was. Because to start with, he played very well. And there was a real sense that actually there's a, there's a player emerging here. Is it a combination of shifting styles, not the right kind of player for a Conte game? Um, you know, the, the, the right player in the wrong place, perhaps. And if you look at it like that, then he very much suits Villarreal, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they've got a relatively settled midfield three uh, with uh, Parejo, Capue and, and Trigueros, but I guess he can he can come in and... and... Yeah, I mean, he's, his most natural role in those three is the Trigueros, Trigueros one, yeah, isn't it? Um, I suppose this is just a case of getting a good player to, 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 to have a bigger and stronger squad. Um, but, but Villarreal have actually a bit of a talent overload at the moment, don't they? Yeah. He just scored one league goal for Spurs. One. Is that all? Yeah. Mind you, he was never really a goal scorer, even at Betis, was he? Even when he was playing he well. Nine he was the guy the season he's moved to Did he? That's yeah. much more than I thought, to be honest. Right. That, okay, fair yeah. enough. Anyway. Much more than I thought. Uh, Gio Lo Celso back in, in La Liga with, uh, with Villarreal, as Villarreal uh, strengthened their squad as they pushed to, 
try and get close, at least, to the to the Champions League places. Uh, another interesting move with this came out of absolutely nowhere. Did not did not expect this. Lucas Perez joining Cadiz from Elche, which seems a strange move, really. But I mean, a really good one for Cadiz, I'd say. Well, it seems like a strange move because this is a guy that, when he went to Elche, he thought he's the best of their forwards. You know, he's the most likely to be to be important. You wonder about Lucas Pérez, uh, to be honest, or at least I do, uh, about that kind of sense of what happened. Because this is a guy that the season before he went to Arsenal, he got, I think it was 17 or 18 league goals. Uh, went to Arsenal and didn't do anything really. But in fairness, didn't really get opportunities to. And there were moments here or there where you thought, he's okay. Goes back to Depor on loan, scores a reasonable amount of goals. I think eight, I think it was in the league, or eight or nine mm-hmm. in the league. Um, West Ham, again, it sort of didn't really work, but perhaps the reason he goes to West Ham is people have seen something at Arsenal that suggests that, yeah, this could be all right. And actually, his first season back at Alaves, he was really, really important. Mm -hmm. Really important. But last year, while the talk was often about him, by far and away the most important player was José Lu. Something had broken internally in terms of his relationship with other players and with the club. And of course, you had that moment in which Abelardo, the manager, who has since admitted that he got it wrong, mm. basically um, destroyed him publicly. Mm. And there is something there that's not quite right. And Elche should have been the fix for that and hasn't been. Um, I, I don't know. I'd start to wonder if... if if maybe this is a sort of a a last grab at an opportunity that that, that otherwise it's sort of the end for him. Uh, how old is he? Thirty three. Thirty three. So, so maybe that maybe there is something in that. And this is a player who I think at times I've really 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 liked, um, but I, it feels like it's two years since we've seen anything from him. Mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of felt that he was building up a little partnership with with Lucas Boyer. Uh, it's true that he wasn't necessarily scoring goals but um, mm. but yeah what He's, he, um, he has something I suppose the question mark now is is how do Cadiz play with him mm. obviously he enables you in theory to run off people in a way that Negredo can't do mm. they've got um, Lothano for that well, they've got Chocolatano for that and, and, and he's reasonably quick I, I wonder if maybe maybe that's it it's about freshening up that kind of that sort of one static forward and one mobile forward thing and having more than one option to do it with mm. All right. Well, those were some of the highlights and the headlines from the transfer market in Spain on on deadline day. There there were other moves and uh, we haven't talked about them all. Uh, If there's something that we haven't talked about and you'd like us to talk about, why don't you send us a question and we'll answer it on our Q&A podcast. Uh, Possibly not today's Q&A podcast because we're just recording this Q&A podcast uh, immediately after uh, this one so if you send a question right now uh, we won't get it for this week but we will for next week so come and join us uh, on patreon.com forward slash TSFP and you can get the Q&A podcast the bonus podcast and TSFP presents loads of content each and every week for you uh, from just four euros a month it is uh, a pretty good value if you like Spanish football, which we presume that you do if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, speaking of Spanish football, we can talk very briefly about the Segunda División. Eibar are top after they came back to beat Wesker 2-1 on Saturday, thanks to a brace from the fantastically named Stoichkov. They're two points ahead of Valladolid, who beat Sporting 1-0 on Friday. Former leaders Almeria are now third because they lost 2-0 to the mighty Ray Oviedo. We're coming to the end of today's podcast, but there is one more story that we'd like to discuss. But before we get to the discussion, just want to warn you, it is a story 
which is deeply, deeply unsavoury and contains some really quite unpleasant details. So if it's something that you'd really rather not listen to, or if you're listening to the pod with, with your kids, just to be aware that the discussion that's coming up now is surrounding a rather unpleasant story uh, involving Raya Baikano's new uh, women's team coach. Uh, the widespread condemnation and revulsion at Raya Baikano's appointment of Carlos Santiso. Um, tell us a little bit about, about what's happened here. Well, very simply, uh, we'll start with the simples and then we'll, we'll kind of go on to the, 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 the sort of contextualisation of this. There is, this is the new Raya Baikano coach of the women's team. There is an audio which um, I've listened to um, in which he leaves a voice note for his coaching staff. It's a Sunday morning, the day after a game, and he leaves a voice note for his coaching staff in which he says, yeah, we played very well yesterday, this is really good, uh, and so on. Oh, and one other thing, and he mentions one of his coaching staff, a guy by the name of Alvaro, and he says, I agree with you, Alvaro, this is a really great staff. This is a great team we're putting together. And the team meaning the coaching staff, not the, not the team. Um, but but we, we still lack things. Nos faltan cosas. Um, I don't know what you... We still need things, I suppose, is the best way of translating that. There's, there's still some things we need to, to kind of really cement this coaching staff. And he says, we need to do... Una como los de Arandina. We need to do something like, uh, you know, we, we need to have a moment or have, a, have do something like what the Arandina guys did. Now, what the, the Arandina context, guys did was... The, well, the context of the Arandina thing is, is just horrific. The Arandina was a Spanish third division football club in which three players were tried for sexual assault of a 15-year-old girl. Um, and so that's the context of this. And he says, to do what the Arandina... Guys, did here comes the rest of the quote. Grab a girl. Now, literally, the phrase is coge. It doesn't necessarily mean grab. It's sort of find or 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 get. Get a girl and, bet- and make sure she's overage so we don't get in trouble. So I mean, you know, there's a there's a kind of an awareness of if you like the what he's saying almost, which is just makes it even more mind blowing. Grab a girl and cargarnosla, which again, I suppose the best phrase for that translation for that is. Um, forgive me for using this language, and I, I you know, I felt very uneasy writing it because the, the, you know, the language was just horrible. And I suppose it's load in on her, give her one. Uh, unfortunately, it would be a bit like Richard Keys and, and smash it. I think. Exactly, yeah. it's smash. It's almost like yeah. smash, isn't it? Cardigarnosla means kind of you know, charge in or, or, or pile on, or yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, you get the idea. You get the point. Um, all of us together. That is, that's what brings a team of staff together. He said, look at Arandina. They went straight up to the playoffs. Right now. So first of all, you've got the, 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 the terrible nature of these comments anyway. Now, here's the bits of the context, which I think make it even more bizarre. Or bizarre. God, bizarre is not even the right word. It's just awful. These are comments that had already led him to effectively be forced to resign from the, the last job he had in November, which was as the coach of, of under twelve, what was teams, the didn't it? the under twelve the under 12s team with the Madrid Federation, like the under twelve representative team of the Madrid Federation. These were comments that we understand Rayo Vallecano knew about when they employed him as manager. This isn't a case of them saying, "Oh Christ," um, and then 
And then the other part of it, and I, I don't know if this matters, but allow me to say it anyway, just in case. I listened to this. This isn't like him joking around. Now, I'm not saying that he's saying we actually absolutely should do this. I'm not saying that he has ever done anything like this or ever been in a scenario in which he has encouraged his staff to do this. In other words, I don't know, for argument's sake, you know, they see someone and say, come on then. You know, there's, 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 I, I'm not going to take it to that territory. But in this voice note, there is no, isn't this funny? There is no joke element to it. The tone is not a joke in any way. Now, as I say, the reason why I say I'm reluctant to even say this is because even if it was a joke, it'd be horrific. Yeah. I'm not, and, and I wouldn't be trying to justify it on the grounds that it's a joke. But listening to it, it's even more. You know, it's, it's, it just, I mean, it almost doesn't bear thinking about as a, as a comment. Now, of course, the reason that this voice note gets out, presumably, is because one of those people feels the same way. And decides I'm not having this. One of the people in his staff. Um, another thing to point out here. Cadena Ser radio station. Um, who have done really good work on Rayo Vallecano this year. In terms of the, 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 the problems at the club. They said they spoke to him. In which he confirmed it was him. And said but it's a, it's a conversation. Informal conversation amongst mates. So which is why I take it back to what I was saying a minute ago. Yes it is an informal conversation amongst mates. In that it's a voice note to his mates on a Sunday morning. Right. But it is, this isn't like a bunch of guys who, who are being silly and messing around and someone says it for a laugh. Uh, it doesn't come across like that at all. And as if that makes any difference. The other thing that Rayo Vallecano did is they said they spoke to Raul Martin Presa, the president of Rayo Vallecano, who, while the only quote that they used, because I think the conversation with him wasn't about an interview, and they say that he says he's not going to do anything about it, the quote they use is, we sign professionals, not people. And just that quote says, I mean, quite apart from anything else, by the way, when was the last time that Raya Vallecano signed professionals? I mean, Raya Vallecano is a club, about the least professional club there is. Uh, it is and uh, Here's a question for you, Phil, which I always think is, the, the, I said this yesterday on, on Twitter, Raul Martin Presa, why? I just, there's so much about him that I just do not understand. It feels... So much of what he does feels deliberately provocative. This comes in the context the of the mistreatment of, of the women's team. And, yeah. yeah, this comes in the context of the mistreatment of the women's team, which we've talked about before. Not having a doctor, not having dressing rooms, not having a gym. Um, the contractual instability of, of most of the women's players who haven't said anything yet. And of course they haven't because they're in a precarious position. But are they, how must they feel? This is the guy that's been made coach of their team. Um, it, it, it just sort of almost beyond comprehension been made coach of the team and then been fully backed up by the by the president as well so yes yeah it's uh, yeah. it's really quite a quite a terrible situation uh, a horrendous story uh, very well written up by by Sid and, and Susie Rack in the in the Guardian to go and have a have a read of it as well if you uh, if you want more information on that but I think we've covered it pretty extensively uh, here and it was something that we definitely felt we had to Bring to everyone's attention on uh, this week's TSFP. 
Uh, that's it for today's show. Uh, but come and join us over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We've got the Q&A podcast uh, coming out uh, today, uh, I think, if not if not tomorrow. Then we've got the bonus podcast uh, coming out later on in the week discussing the Copa del Rey. We've got Copa del Rey fixtures uh, this week as well. Uh, Raya Baikano against Mallorca. Big, big game for, for Raya, <laughs> which is tomorrow. Tickets, tickets went on sale this morning. Let's not get into that. We've all, we've, we've already discussed what a disgrace uh, Rio is uh, organisation-wise. But yeah, uh, and you've also got Valencia against Cadiz. Uh, that's uh, uh, tomorrow as well. And then the other two quarterfinals in the Copa del Rey: Real Sociedad against Betis and Athletic Club against Real Madrid. They're both on Thursday evening, so we'll have a bonus podcast out on Friday uh, discussing the Copa del Rey and looking forward to the return of La Liga this weekend. The big game, which is Barcelona against Atletico Madrid. Uh, looking forward to uh, that one. We've also got producer Al's world-famous daily paper reviews, uh, which are up on Patreon to keep you fully up to date with everything that's going on in Spain uh, on a daily basis. So come and join us, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Otherwise, it's all right. We'll be back here next week as ever. Adios. Cheerio. (laughs) 